Hello, and welcome to today's episode. Seth and I are interviewing Trish, a mom whose young adult son was severely depressed and suicidal after a close friend of his took his life. We hear this mom's journey of offering wilderness to her just 18-year-old son and actually what got him to go. Listen as she shares her relief about when he was there, her experience of when her son ran away while in wilderness, and some of the disappointment she felt after he came home. I do want to make a quick apology. There's a dog barking in the background. It was a neighbor's dog, so we couldn't really do anything about it. Please try to enjoy it. It is definitely worth your listen. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Parenting Post-Wilderness, your guide to parenting struggling teens. I'm your host, Beth Hillman, a mom of five boys, including a post-wilderness teen and a life coach for parents. I will guide you on how to influence lasting change by first understanding the relationship-changing power of focusing on your own behavior instead of futile attempts to control your teens. Parents, the change begins with us. Hello, parents. Welcome to today's episode. I have Seth with us. Hi, Seth. Hello. How's everybody? Awesome. And we have our guest today. We are interviewing a mom named Trish. Hi, Trish. Hi. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Well, thank you. So what I love to do first is I want to give the parents who are listening some context. So would you mind sharing with us a little bit about what your son's challenges and your challenges are and were, and a little bit of of how he got to wilderness? Well, he he went away to college. He was okay, mo- mostly okay through high school. He got oh decent grades, and he um he did okay through high school. But he went to college, and he went away. And it was during COVID. In the first semester, he did fine. He um, got good grades, good enough to qualify for the discount for. Um, car insurance, that's why I know. And anyway, the second semester, he just failed every class and he came home with that experience and he was living with us and he was so depressed and anxious and couldn't work and started isolating himself and was just, uh, it was just scary not knowing not having had experienced that before or seen it at close hand, it was um, very concerning. And he, since he was over 18, he would not agree to go anywhere. He wouldn't agree to go see a doctor. He wouldn't go, agree to go see any type of counselor, or he wouldn't agree to go see anything. And as a parent, when your child is that old, you don't have any rights. Well, I did find out I had the right to call the police um, and have them handcuff him and take him without wow. that. So that that was my option was to call the police if it became apparent that that was what was needed. But I, um, I just kept my eye on him and kept asking. Well, I even asked him about wilderness and he said, no, I don't want to do anything. It got to the point where um, there was one night, and to make a long story short, I was so concerned that during the night I had checked on him at least three times. And finally in the morning, it's like, I can't do this. 
this is too hard on me to, to watch this and not know what to do. I just don't have the strength and energy energy to deal with this. So at that point, he says, well, he would go to wilderness. So so um, can I ask you really quick, what okay. kind of time frame was between when he got home from that semester, I guess, and, and started to really isolate himself to then this point? It was pretty immediate because okay. by July uh, or end of July he, uh, or 1st of August, he was at, at the wilderness thing. So, you know, what, June and Ju- July, so two months possibly before it was just, I was exhausted. I couldn't, I couldn't keep worrying. So mm-hmm. we had to do something. It was just, it was too draining and too exhausting. And how did you find out about wilderness? Um, actually, my uh, mom mentioned it as we were trying to brainstorm through ideas of what to, what to do, and and everything was a no go. Um, she she mentioned it again and we had talked about it and he had said no, but then, and I had checked into the ones that our insurance would cover and they all had to be under 18. So we, no insurance would cover it. So, um, it was just, it, it was from her suggestion that I looked into it and thought about it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I do want to continue with your, your, your story for sure. But what do you think his hesitancy was? Do you, like, do you know, have you asked him? Uh, I, yes, I think, well, partly he didn't feel like any medication would really help. He didn't feel like any counselor would help. He felt like this was the way the world was, and this is what he had to deal with. And this is the world. So going to see those things, there wasn't much hope that it would make any difference. So why go? I would say mm. generally that was the idea. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of parents who resonate with that that mindset. They can see their child in that mindset. That, yes, exactly. Yeah. Seth, is that familiar to you as you like worked with wilderness kids? Definitely. Definitely. There is this this loss hope and and this overall um feeling of uniqueness that is so it is felt to be so individualized that and that a teen or a young adult feels like no one can possibly understand. Mm. Yeah. I, I actually remember feeling that as a parent, to be honest, right at the beginning there, Trish, did that go through your mind at all? Or you, you actually had an, an upbringing if you want to mention that or not, that you might've been a little more informed than me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did I feel, are you asking if I felt isolated? Is that your question? Yeah. Did you ever feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what, you you know, I'm the only one with this, this child who's suffering this much or anything like that. Um, No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I wanted to understand him. It was a new experience. I hadn't, I hadn't experienced and it took a lot of trying to understand because it was so foreign to what I had experienced. Mm. But I didn't feel isolated. I didn't feel like I was alone in that experience. I I felt like other people would like recognize and understand that. Mm. Awesome. Okay, so you're at his bedside, I guess, in the middle of the night, and you express to him that this has got to end. 
Um, And he agrees to go. So then what happens? Well, we had to go see the doctor, which he hadn't agreed to see a doctor before. But and like I said, it was during COVID. Um, So he um, he actually went to Arizona, and I have a daughter and his and his sister that lived there. So he, uh, well, he had to go see the doctor to get an okay to go on the plane and to go get checked in. And so he went through all those steps, and we got him on a plane, and he flew down and stayed with my daughter well my sister helped pick him up anyway so they, we had family down there that helped as well and they dropped him off and um i don't know how much experience you want there when he was there he um did run away mm. anything that you can help parents i think you know whatever you'd like to share is always to me always going to be helpful because some parent will think, "Oh my gosh, that happened to me," and they will it will help them not feel so alone. So whatever you'd like to share is welcome. Well, I think it was well the experience of him running away was. Um, I got a call from the counselor that was down there, and she was like, "Well, I have to give a little bit back." information the counselor that was there for that weekend that he ran away was not his regular counselor so she didn't know him very well but she just said you can't come pick him up and you can't do this and kind of like uh, accusing me I felt accused of being enabling him to not deal with his problems and I anyway I essentially confronted her and said I'm fine with all that but this is my concern. My concern is that he was suicidal. And are you dealing with that? Mm. And then she totally backtracked. She totally backtracked. And then I talked to another guy and he reassured me that even though he was lost, even though he was, they didn't know where he was, that he would most likely be safe, that there wasn't a place that he could very easily hurt himself. So that reassured me. Um, But it was interesting to have the counselor not, I didn't feel like she understood my concerns. And yet, when it did get resolved, it did get to the point where she was dealing with how I felt instead of just what she thought the situation was. Well, I think it can be very difficult for parents to approach a professional and say, wait a second, just wait a second, you know, hear me out. I think that is very difficult to do as a parent. I know that I have, I struggled with that. I know that I have clients who've struggled with that. How did you get to the point where you felt, hey, you're not, you're not listening to me? You're not quite understanding. Um, well, I think it's like most situations. I think I heard her out and I listened to her to the point where she felt like I understood her concerns, which her concern was that I was enabling him by rescuing him when he was in trouble. So I heard her out to the point where I think she felt listened to. And then I said, and now I would like you to listen to my concerns. <laughs> and this is my concern. And I, it was a real genuine concern for me and it needed to be dealt with. And I think at that point she, she did. And then she totally backtracked. So I, I really think that even professionals need to be listened to. <laughs> wow. That's profound. <laughs> 
<laughs> because I, I feel like they're doing their best. And like I said, she was stepping in over a weekend, hadn't been around Andrew, hadn't been around the situation. She was picking up these loose ends that she knew very little about. And that was the conclusion she jumped to. And, and I can accept that she's doing the best she could, but it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't dealing with what I needed to be dealt with. And I, so that's how, and you're right. It is difficult and it's hard. And especially to put aside your feelings of even frustration of you're not helping me and you're, this is not making it easier. It's making it harder to put those aside and deal with where she was at. And then, mm. so I think that's just something that sometimes you can do it. And sometimes you just are too involved with how you're feeling to be able to step back. But luckily at that point, I was, I was okay to listen. Yeah. It sounds like you've got some tools because sometimes I'll talk to other parents and, and me, my own experience is it, it took me several years to even get to that place of being willing to like, oh, let me hear out this professional because that's what humans could do is they could listen to each other and then we could come to a, you know, an understanding and then make a, a decision for this child. How do you, how did you get that? How did you get some of that? I guess I'll call it emotional maturity tools is a good word i think tools is a good word and i don't think you can always do it like i said sometimes you're in a place within yourself that you can do it and sometimes you just have to admit i have too many things going inside me right now that i can't deal with or put on hold or put to the back burner so i can deal with what you're feeling i do i have like i told you Beth before I my father was a um well he was a social worker and then he was a psychologist and his he was a very good I'd call him a sounding board you could say what you were thinking he would sound it back so so you could hear what you were thinking and that was such an effective way for me to be able to deal with what I was thinking and feeling so I had that as a learning process as I was growing up. So I think that was helpful. Yes. But then at the same time, sometimes it doesn't even matter if you're dealing with a lot, you just can't put it aside sometimes. And, and I recognize that as well. So yes, very, very true. Very true. Okay. So what, what then happened? He ran away and came back. Um, yeah, well, somebody found him. He was trying to get off the property. And oh, and what happened, which was a blessing, I suppose, um, is he tested positive for COVID. So nobody could pick him up and he had to be isolated. And that was hard for him. He does. He didn't like being isolated. But um, out of his choosing, if he if he chooses it, it's one thing, right? <laughs> yes. It, that, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Um, but so that's what happened. He had COVID. He had to stay there. And then he agreed that he would he would finish out the program and he would do it. And so with his further commitment, he, he did, he finished it out. And they let him stay. Wow. Yes. Yes. Are you surprised they let him stay? I, I guess I am. Seth, are you surprised? No, I'm okay. not. I okay. think that's, I think, you know, that's, I think for some individuals, that's part of the process and, and feeling um, trapped can manifest in many different ways. And therapists are used, the wilderness therapists are used to individuals feeling trapped when they're out in 
wilderness. Um, I'm curious, did, has he ever mentioned like what, what made him decide? Why was there a switch to finish out the program? Um, well, I would say our conversation, cause we actually had a, a conversation and he said, he talked and we, he said, would you, um, come get me. I want to come home. And I says, well, what have you learned? I, I said, do you remember when you were here, how difficult it was? What have you learned that would make it so that you think you should come home right now? He says, I learned I can be happy anywhere. And, mm. and it was like, good, then stay there and be happy. Practice what you learned. <laughs> <laughs> now is the time to practice. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that was, I think, and then he agreed, he agreed to do that. And he had, he had agreed before that he would finish. He, you know, it, it's an expensive thing. And he had agreed that he would do it before. And I, I mentioned that as well. You agreed that you'd finish this. So let's yeah. do it. Wow. Way to hold a boundary, mom. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. So I, I have another question in, in regards to kind of what you just mentioned, which is it took a little bit for the therapist to come around to support you and in, in your needs when your son ran away. How much support did you feel you received for your needs and what you were hoping for yourself in regards to your relationship with your son from the wilderness program? So how how much did the wilderness program help me or with what I was hoping yeah. um from the wilderness program um you know in some ways I don't think it made a big difference in my relationship with my son for the wilderness program um I I'm trying to think of anything that it made I obviously we got his letters mm-hmm. um but those weren't I didn't think that they were that helpful um, I think the way it helped me was I didn't feel like he was suicidal. I felt like he was, it was, how can I say this? Did you I feel like he to, was safe? Yes. That's what it was. I felt like he was safe. And that was such a relief that I didn't have to worry about if he was safe or not. And that, that was <laughs> such a relief. I don't even know how to say much, how much yeah. of a relief that is. It's such a relief to feel like I didn't have to go check. I mean, I hate to say this, but I would prepare myself to go into his room and find him not alive. Mm. And I said, I, I would prepare myself. If I go in there, I have to be able to handle this situation if I find it this way. So I had, you know, you tried to psych, tried to psych myself up to be able to handle it. I'm grateful I didn't have to, but it was part of the process of just, I have to be okay with whatever happens. I have to be okay. I don't have control. I don't have the agency to, to make it be a certain way. So I have to be okay if I go in there and find him. And obviously when he was in the wilderness program, I didn't have to worry about that until he ran away, obviously. And then it was a concern, but, right. but while in the program, I wasn't worried at all. So that was, I suppose. Yeah. I have to, I have to comment on that because I think that, do you know how you got to that? Because that is something that is so true. What you said about like, it is not my decision. I can't, 
I remember thinking, I'm going to handcuff myself to my son 24-7 so I know that he's safe. And of course, I didn't do that. But it crossed my mind because I I was so desperate and fearful at, at one point. And so, but it sounds like you were able to and to really speak and understand the truth of it is that I actually can't stop him if it comes down to it. Because he, he, you know, because you can't sit there and watch him for twenty four seven. So, how did you get to that point where you, where you were able to release and understand that that that, that wasn't in your control? Well, I think just even like you said, what you can't, you try and think of what your options are. What yeah. are my options? What do I have control over? What can I logistically and realistically do? And you recognize, yeah, you can handcuff yourself to your son, but for how long? I mean, it's it's not really <laughs> practical. I can imagine my arm, arm being torn off, you know? Like, okay. Yes. And we do have to use the bathroom and there's a few, you know what I'm saying? It's just really not practical. It's not feasible. <sighs> and so I think I mostly would just think through, well, even like when I thought through what are my options, and obviously I could have called the police and had them come and handcuff him, which under circum- certain circumstances I would, do if I felt like that was the best option. So I think I would say generally explore your options and it's okay to explore your options. Even if they're not mm-hmm. realistic, it's okay to explore your options. And then after you explore your options, think of what, what will really get you to where you want to be, you know, handcuffing yourself to your son. Is it really going to get you to where you want to be and where you want him to be? Right. And then go from there. What, what will work in this situation? And sometimes it's not a permanent thing. It's just that will work for a while and then you'll have to figure out something else. But I would say that's generally how I would get to that point. Mm. That's wonderful. I, I, thank you so much for sharing that. So in other words, you didn't, I'm just going to, you're saying that you maybe weren't so supported in the wilderness program I mean for from the wilderness program while your son was there but but I guess you didn't mind is that fair to say or like what <laughs> could you think they could have done things different what would you have wanted oh, um I guess how I I guess I don't know to me they did what I needed them to do and that was to help him to get through this totally suicidal that's the only thing he could think about. That's the only thing. I mean, so isolated. Um, and to me, they helped him get through that. It didn't, and it, that wasn't my relationship with him. That was his relationship with himself, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Yep. So when you asked if it helped with my relationship with him, I guess in the sense that it, cha- he was, he wasn't so suicidal. The other good thing that eventually came is he, um, well, he had a friend that had committed suicide and it really affected him. It it affected him deeply. When was this? um, It was, it was just, uh, it was before wilderness, but not by much. Okay. That was probably the winter. It was at around Christmas time. That's huge. Oh, it, it is. But he knew how it felt to lose somebody that way. And, I would say that my son loves me. In fact, he tells me he loves me, but, and I love him. But he, he did finally say eventually that he, as long as I was alive, 
he wouldn't kill himself. And that was such a relief too. And that well, was his choice. Yeah, let's get to that. Because I, I think there's a lot between wilderness and when he said that. Is that right? Very much right. Yes. Okay, great. But I love it. I love it. It's like it's like those books that tell us the ending, but then we're like dying to know how we got there. How did you get there? Got it. <laughs> um, so I'm guess so he was released from wilderness. Yes. Came home. Yes. And tell us a little bit about how that felt and what that was like. Um, in some ways, I was a bit disappointed. Um, he was still anxious. He was still, um, I mean, he was, well, actually, we went to Lake Powell and played, and he was still not as involved and not as a part of our family as I would want him to be. Um, so I hate to say I was disappointed. Well, no, because I, I, you had some expectations. That's super fair. Because yeah, okay. all parents do. I think that's very fair. <laughs> okay. So it's okay to be disappointed. Thank you. Sure. Um, I was I was slightly disappointed. I, he wasn't suicidal, which I was grateful for. But he wasn't, uh, is it fair to use the word healthy? He wasn't as involved mm. as I would have wanted him to be. And he wasn't as uh, easy to talk to as I would have liked. To, to have been to. So I think I was disappointed in those things. That's so important. I think, I think wilderness is, is difficult specifically in this manner is that it's because the child or the teen or the, the young adolescent is su- such a unique person, right? Mm-hmm. That we, that's hard to make promises. In fact, they don't make promises, right? And so then it's also very hard to manage parents' expectations. It's very difficult. It's, you know, it's difficult for the parents. And it's difficult on the wilderness program side. And so it's just tricky. So I think the more we talk about it and for you to say that, I think is so amazing because it's, well, one, it's the, it's your, it's what's true to you. So I think that's beautiful in its, in and of itself, but just to be able to also help other parents recognize, oh yeah, I'm going to have some expectations and I just want to be aware of those. And that's kind of, that's, sometimes that's pretty difficult to do. Yes. Because you don't even know that you have them until all of a sudden your son comes out of wilderness and then you're either like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Or you're like, wait a second. Some of these things did not change. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Hello. And thank you for listening. There is so much more to hear next week when we continue our interview with Trish and how she has learned to release any expectations of her son and the agreement that has set them both free. Hey there. Thank you for joining me today. If you know a struggling parent, please share this with them. If you have any questions or want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Beth Hillman Coaching or through my website, BethHillmanCoaching.com. And remember, parents, the change begins with us.